From Innovation Alley at Marquette University, I'm Chuck Swoboda, and this is Innovators on Tap, a show based on the idea that innovation is about leadership. It's a mindset to find a better way, and ultimately, it's about people. These conversations are designed to allow you to open your mind to new ideas and find ways to put those concepts to work. Together, we can solve big problems and maybe even change the world. Have you ever turned down an opportunity because you thought it was too risky? What would you do if you got a second chance? Well, on today's episode, we talk with Jim Murphy, who is currently the head of animation at Pixar, even though he originally turned them down. That's right. As a budding animator, he was offered the chance to go work for Pixar. But since it was only a six-month contract with no guarantees, he decided it was too risky, and he said no. And then something incredible happened. The movie Toy Story. Jim spent the next week watching the movie every day and realizing he needed to work at Pixar. Eventually, he got a second chance and has been involved in the Pixar's tremendous success ever since, working on films such as The Incredibles, Monsters, Inc., Ratatouille, and even directing his own short film, Lava. But this episode isn't about filmmaking. It's a lesson in creativity, culture, and making the most out of the opportunities that present themselves. As Jim described the early days at Pixar, the art form was new. We were just a ragtag bunch of artists from all different mediums. And we had something to prove. That's the lightning in the bottle. Nobody really believes you can do it, and you have this surprise for the world. That's what's on tap today. Enjoy. So, Jim, welcome, and thanks for joining me today on Innovators on Tap. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks for having me. So, you're probably best known for your incredibly successful career at Pixar, but I was surprised to learn that you actually studied journalism at Marquette, and what I read, it says that you had wanted to go to art school, but your parents didn't believe that that was a good choice. So, I'm curious, as you look back now, do you think there was an advantage to kind of what you were able to become in your career by not having gone down the art school path? I think I tend to look at it as yes, you know, because I can't go back, you know, so I tend to look at it as, as an advantage and maybe not so much as an advantage as it makes me unique in what I do, you know, for the background that I have to most people, it doesn't make sense. Like, you know, you studied journalism and I mean, I, I don't understand how you, how you got to what you're doing. But, you know, I think as a result of, and it probably will, you know, the more we talk, it'll come out, kind of my mindset was, you know, I, I, I didn't complain about it. I just figured, all right, that makes sense. You know, they're, they're looking out for me. And what did I know at, at 18? I know, you know, I, I, I was an artist, but I was kind of a quiet artist. And when I got to Marquette, I still had this, this desire to draw as well as write. And the first thing I did was get involved in the Marquette Tribune. And, you know, my freshman year, I started drawing just comics and, you know, doing little cartoons. And I think by my sophomore year, I got, a, I had a comic strip that, you know, I did, you know, I had to do two comics a week on top of my studies. And not only did that really help develop my drawing skills, but it developed my discipline for coming up with ideas to, to finding the time, you know, when, when to do it. So in a way, 
I turned Marquette and what it offered into my own art school. So I know you've been at Pixar now since 96, but before we get into that experience, because I'm sure our audience is just dying to learn what that was about, I want to throw out some of the jobs you had along the way and maybe give us a quick impression of what did you take away from those experiences? And so let's just start with the one you mentioned earlier, writing the Murphy's Law comic strip when you were at Marquette. Yeah, so that, that was something that, you know, I really pursued the drawing. I got the opportunity to do it. It was something I enjoyed. It, it, it helped me learn to draw, you know, learn to come up with ideas. That, that was the real challenge, you know, to come up with ideas and then figure out when, to, when are you going to get this done and delivered on time so they could be in the paper as well. I think in a nutshell, I always looked at it as, you know, I'm, I'm all about diving in and trying stuff. And see where it leads you, see where it takes you, and you know. And it's it's one of the big advice I give to kids that ask ask me about you know how'd you get into this, how'd you do that. And my thing is was and probably still is, I say yes to everything. You know, not everything, but I say yes. You know, because you're going to learn so much by trying stuff, and you're going to discover things you don't even know exist that could end up being computer animation. But if you just if you just sit there complacent and want the perfect thing to come your way, you're you're gonna miss a lot of opportunity. Well, I think it's so important. You, you're mentioning something which is this: take advantage of what's in front of you and see what happens. And I think so often, you know, people come to me and so how did you become a CEO? What's what was your career plan? I said there was no plan. I said there was a problem in front of me. Someone asked me if I'd work on it. I worked on it. Then I found the next problem. And sometimes it looked like a career plan. And most of the time, it just looked like the next problem. And eventually, what you find out is if you do enough stuff, you find out you're good at some of it, and it leads to more opportunity. So before we get into Pixar, I want to ask one more thing. I understand that you, when you first got into animation, you helped create the Little Caesars Pizza Pizza ad, which I remember quite fondly. In fact, I have trouble not saying Pizza Pizza. So tell me about that. So when I was in Chicago freelancing, you know, doing a lot of drawing and stuff like that, I decided that, you know what, I, I, I can't, this freelancing is, isn't for me. I, I probably need, I need to make the next level the jump. So I was like, I want to get into animation, but I didn't have any money to go to school for animation. I didn't even know where I would go to school really in Chicago. So I, so I just looked up, you know, in the yellow pages and found three, three animation studios in the Chicago area. And I just, you know, this one, Calabash Animation, I just knocked on the door. I had a portfolio of drawings and I showed it to them. And they're like, great. Um, do you want to, you know, show up on Monday and you can start painting cells? I said, yeah, yeah I'll do some of that. And then from there, um, they, they hired me. And so that's kind of how I got into animation in Chicago. And from there, one of the clients they had was Little Caesars. And they also had had some bigger ones like Tricks and, you know, Tricks Rabbit and the Lucky Charms Leprechaun. So while I was there, I got to work on a couple of these Little Caesars ads and, and do the, I actually have a, a, a drawing on my wall I could show you if you want to see it. It's, you know, a cell, one of those painted cells that they gave me when I left Calabash. So it was it was a joy. I, I loved working on those characters, and it's so funny that because so many people their, their ears almost as much as when you say Pixar, they say Little Caesars, Pizza Pizza. Like, yeah, I grew up with that's awesome. 
Well, it's one of those ads that, you know, it just worked, right? It obviously had an incredible lasting effect. So you have a really interesting story about getting hired at Pixar, where I think you originally turned down their first offer. So can you tell me more about that and how you eventually change your mind, decide to go work there? I was, so now I'm, I'm at Calabash. I've probably been there about a year and a year and a half. And, you know, while I was there, you know, my wife and I bought a house and we, we just had our first child. And I just was feeling like, you know, I, I got to up my ante. I got to up my game again here. And while I was at Calabash, this animator next to me, we were talking, and he was telling me about, have you heard about this company out in the, in the Bay Area that's working on the first computer animated thing? I was like, oh, no, no, it's, it's uh, Pixar. And Pixar, I remember their shorts. So right, right about this time, um, this the, the Calabash, I got my first bonus. And I took that bonus, and I bought my first computer. And when I, like, all these things came together, I was like, I got to get into this computer. This is where everything's going. And so I sent my stuff out to Pixar and they, they called me and flew me out to the Bay area and I interviewed. And while I was in that interview, Pete doctor, who's currently our, he's who I I met with. He was the supervising animator on toy story. And now he's the chief creative officer of Pixar now and just directed soul. And so Pete kind of showed me around and he showed me the army man sequence from toy story. And my eyes, like, I, I, I couldn't figure it out. Like, how, how do you do that? You know, it was so new. And, and then I, I came back to Chicago. I was like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. I got it, I got it, I got it. So they, they made me an offer, but the offer was only for six months. So I'm like, oh, it's like my dream job, but it's six months. And I'm, I've got to get from Chicago to California with a kid, and I have a house, and like, so I said, I, I just can't do it. I can't take that risk and be in California. Just when I get settled, I'm looking for work again. So I said no based on that. And they were like, oh, we get it. It's too bad, whatever. Then another company in Seattle that was a computer game company offered me a job. I had turned them down, but they kind of came back and they sweetened the deal. We're like, let's go to Seattle. That'd be awesome. So we moved to Seattle. I worked there for a year and I worked on this this game that was real challenge. It was a challenge, you know, to try to make it, you know, as great as I wanted it to. And at the end of that year, they kind of gave me a month off. It's like, you know, just to go take care of yourself. You know, you, you've been working so hard. And then literally to the day, Toy Story came out that it was Thanksgiving. So I went and saw it and I was just devastated. I was like, I, I blew it. Like, I, you, you, you're killing me that you, like, oh, I was just beside myself, so beside myself that to punish myself, I went to see it every day until they hired me. I'm going to see this every day until they hired me. So I, I spent that Thanksgiving putting together my reel and everything. And then within probably a month, they flew me back out, hired me, full-time gig. And then that's, I started in 96. So... You're at Pixar and you get to be involved in all these cool films, right? I think Bugs Life, Toy Story 2, Finding Nemo, Cars. And I know you got to do your own short film, Lava, which is actually how I was first introduced to your work because a colleague at Marquette said, oh, you got to see this thing. My kids are in love with it. You won't believe what it is. And I still remember watching it 
And it wasn't until it was all over that I realized it was a story about a volcano. Like it was, and, and so it was so cool because I was like transformed. And so then I got a chance to see your Ted talk recently and you kind of tell a story a little bit about some of the lessons from that experience. And I was wondering, can you give us kind of the shorthand version of kind of some of those key lessons that you know, you went through in, in developing and making lava into the incredible film that it is? Yeah. You know, so when, you know, at that time, anyone could pitch a short film idea, but w when, when you pitched, you couldn't just pitch one idea, you had to pitch three. So w when I knew this is what I wanted to do, I almost took like six months to a year and I just started developing three ideas. And my goal was there are going to be three ideas that I absolutely love equally. And lava was just one of them. And, and lava came from my love of Hawaii. My wife and I honeymoon there. I've always had this fascination with Hawaii. And I remember watching um, an episode of ER and I heard Israel Kamakwebolis, you know, over the rainbow in the saying, and it's like, hey, wait, I know that song from The Wizard of Oz. That's, that's one of my favorite musicals of all time. Who is that? Angel, that is crazy. So I would, with that, I thought, what if I could, what if I could write a song like that? And, you know, ultimately through the research, you know, I, you know, I, I learned about this underwater volcano called Loihi that's actually, you know, underneath the big islands. And I just thought like, oh my God, does a big island even know that there's a little island down there? Like, that's a great, that's perfect for a story. So, so, so that was kind of the thing. So I finished, I finished it, finished the song. Then I started pitching it. And then in, in pitching it, it, it was really kind of ha having that love and that passion and the vision come out in the pitch. So it was just to, to, to always bring my, myself up to that so that when I pitched it, I was giving it everything I got. And in doing so, it got greenlit. So then once it gets greenlit, they like, okay, careful what you wish for. Holy crap, I gotta I, I gotta figure this thing out. So then we so then you get into story. And then as I'm you know figuring out the story, like, oh my God, that our characters, they're volcanoes, they can't move. What are they gonna do? And then you know we just kind of hit hit a rock. And this is one of the things I talked about in the TED talk. Like, you know, confronting all those obstacles, this thing slowly started to present itself. And throughout the entire process, you know, of filming, filmmaking, you know, it, it, I think that's what I've learned the most about it is that you have to embrace the unknown of the creative process and kind of trust where it's going to take you. And so much of your job as a director is kind of what I talked about earlier when you're pitching is to pitch the enthusiasm and the passion and the the vision for it so that first of all it gets greenlit. Second of all, super, super talented people that are way better than you are at what they do join your team. They start to understand the vision and then they start to take that vision becomes their vision. And then once they start to take it and it becomes their vision, then you're directing. And then it becomes this 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 constant struggle of like, when do you hold on to your, um, your vision of what it was and what the intent was? And when do you let go of that and let it become what it's going to be? And, and I, I, I often feel like it's a lot like parenting, you know, to where, you know, as a parent, you have a vision and, and a, an idea of what you want your son or your daughter to become, but you kind of have to start to let go of that and let them be who they are going to be and then help them become the best 
who of who they, they can be. And also sometimes you got to crack them down and, <laughs> you know, that the, the, it's the constant balance. So I hope that answers your question, you know, just in that I think you're always kind of getting knocked, knocked down and that's just part of the process. Well, I think you captured a really critical idea that I think we underestimate, which is you talked a lot about enthusiasm and passion. And I think whether you're a professional storyteller, which is what you're doing, or you're just doing it for your normal job. You know, one of the advice I got early on when uh, I was a very young CEO and I was having to give a lot of talks and and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get this exactly right. And someone finally said, you know, you don't have to be exactly right. If you're passionate and enthusiastic enough and it comes through, People are responding as much to the emotion as they are the content and that you forget that, you know, it carries the day. And so, you know, I made that a long part of my career of just trying to be passionate, enthusiastic. Hopefully I said a few things along the way that also made sense, but it was, uh, I think it's just great advice for people to realize that don't underestimate the power of that. So curious, you know, obviously that's your film. That was your idea. Are those your favorite characters or are there other characters? I'm curious, you know, you get to work with all these interesting characters. Are they just characters to you or are some of them become like your favorites? Well, absolutely. I think you get a test of characters and you get attached to the experiences that are happening to you at that time when you're animating those characters. You know, like I can almost, I can go through each film and tell you what music I was listening to in my, you know, that it just becomes as much about you know, your relationship with these characters as your relationship with the people that are also, you know, on, on these films. And like when you have like the thing with Lava for the, for that as well, like I'm as proud of that film as I am with all the people that I got to work with on it. And when it was over, I was so sad that it was over. And, and I was jealous because they were all leaving me to go work on another film. I was like, you can't leave me. But I think that's how I look at it. Like I, I, you know, like with Incredibles, working with Brad Bird, and you know, and he just came in at a, at a time that was really the right time for him to come to Pixar, and he really kind of kicked our butts animation-wise, and really got us to think differently about it. Um, Cars, working with John Lasseter and Joe Ramped, you know, sadly who, who passed away. Uh, yeah, you know, just you know, then working with Pete Doctor, um, Monsters. So, you know, I was reading about Pixar's history, and it says when you joined, you know, it was kind of like computer animation is like brand new. And so there really wasn't, you know, there wasn't like a bunch of people that knew it. There were animators, but computer animation was kind of this new thing. And it reminded me of this idea that, you know, no one was really an expert yet at that. And I'm wondering that because you were taking and inventing this art in real time, do you think that's part of the magic? In other words, you didn't know what couldn't be done so that it kind of encouraged you. Cause what I sense sometimes is when you don't know what's not possible is when the best magic happens. But I don't know if that was the same experience or not for you. Absolutely. You know, and it was a ragtag bunch of artists from all different mediums, you know, there were, it was brand new. And I think it's, a, you know, I got lucky because I didn't have, I mean, I haven't gone to art school or, you know, I've kind of just picked it up on my own. And I, I think as a result of being so new, they were looking for people that knew how to bring characters to life. And we had we had folks that were hand-drawn animators, like even myself. We had some clay, you know, some clay stop motion 
animators. We actually had a couple of Muppeteers from you know that were Muppet, you know, came from the Muppets. Um, so you just had this kind of ragtag bunch of people that all had something to prove. You know, that it was this new medium, it was this new studio, and, and I feel like that's that's the lightning in the bottle, you know, that that you're you're in a place at a time and you have something to prove that you gotta that no one really believes in you that you can do it and you've got like this surprise for the world that you're you're just like, oh my god, people are gonna it's gonna explode their brains when they you know when they see this. I'm a part of it. This is this is great. I'm so lucky to be a part of it. And kind of, you know, what we were talking about, having passed up the opportunity the first time with Pixar, that I cherish it even more, that I that I got a second chance. I'm going to now switch gears a little bit. I want to ask you some questions that really get into your mindset and how you think about, you know, certain aspects of, of trying to be innovative and creative and really, you know, being a part of this very entrepreneurial culture that, you know, Pixar was and, and is today. So my first question is, do you believe that your success has come more from avoiding failure or embracing failure? I would say both. I feel like everyone wants, everyone wants to avoid failure, but you have to embrace failure. And, and I feel like, you know, the phrase we talked about, trust the process, is such, you know, that, that's like the, it's, remember Ed Catmull saying that, like, trust me, like, what is that? And, and trust the process is just that. It's this embracing failure that, Making these films is extremely hard. And I think Andrew Stanton has a great quote of like, fail early and fail often. Get all the, get all your stuff out to get to the good stuff. And that's the process. So embrace it. And, you, and it's, it's, it's iterative and you, you just got to keep staying positive and you're going to constantly get knocked on your, uh, you know, on your butt. Like with, you know, we have these brain trusts where we, you know, we'll do these screenings and, and other filmmakers will give notes and, you know, and it's honest and open feedback. And, and you know that you have to embrace that part of it because from that process of good, that everyone's just there to help you make it better. That once you trust that, it's, it's amazing what happens. So my next question is, if you're building a team to try to drive this creativity and innovation, what's more important, embracing a culture of brutal honesty, even if it makes people uncomfortable, or trying to create an environment of psychological safety? I think my answer to that is both, again. Because Pixar is such a collaborative environment that there needs to be psychological safety that's like a, an ecosystem of safety to be able to speak the truth and, and, and say what you mean, but be, to be able to do it in a way that's productive, you know, that the, the brutal truth, there, there's a way you can present it that's, that's people are going to hear it. And there's a way that you can present it that people aren't going to hear it. And to me, that is like a creative e ecosystem that is so essential to Pixar. And you have to make sure that you protect that, that ecosystem, so that it is a safe place where you can be honest and you know that everyone's just trying to make the work better. So I'm curious. So when you're evaluating talent to join your team, what are the one or two must-have characteristics that you're looking for? For me, um, like passion, desire, you know, just the passion in, in, in an art form or 
whatever it is, or desire to work on on something. Like I would always pick someone who wants to work on something that I'm working on rather than going, oh, okay, well, whatever. Like if someone's coming to you like, I got, I got, I, I, I got to work on this. They have a vision for it. And then they're going to, they're, they're going to take what you're, you're thinking. They're going to, you know, help it grow. The other thing I would say, it's just like a, a curiosity and an obsession for uh, research, you know, because each one of these, these films is a totally new world and research is kind of, it's what I love, you know, it's, it's kind of really falling in love with the details and, and understanding them and, and seeing how you can put that into the work where people, they don't know it's happening, but they, they totally get it, you know? And, and probably the, the last thing, you know, would be just to be a team player, you know, and, and have that collaborative spirit and, and want to be part of that type of an ecosystem, you know, to want to come to a place like Pixar, where it is so much a part of the culture to collaborate, and it's less about you coming in and showing how amazing you are as an individual, but contributing to something that's far greater than, than yourself. You know, so so many people who are listening to this show are going to realize that, okay, those are really critical characteristics, but none of those are on the resume. So uh, you have any advice for how you might get at those things when you're meeting someone to potentially join the team? How do you get it? Because I, I love those characteristics, and I, I used to try to recruit for myself, but how do you get at that? Well, I think I always try to encourage people to, um, particularly with what we do, it's, it's less about what's on your resume, and it's more about what's in your work. And I always try to encourage people to put yourself in your work. You know, like put what you're, what you love and, and what you geek out about in your own, you're your own expert on it because you know so much about it. That's what I want. Or if it's, you know, if it's a student film or don't try to, don't try to present what you think someone might want you to be, present who you are. Because in the end, that's what we're going to be looking for when you get here is to bring that little bit of you into the stew. Yeah, I think there's another really important piece to that idea, which is being incredibly authentic in that process is important for both you and the person you're talking to, right? Because at the end of the day, if you if you be the person you think they want you to be, but it's not who you are, when you get there and in that moment, it's going to be obvious to both of you that it's not going to work. It's just, I always tell people, if people don't want to hire you for your unique skills or views, then keep looking. I mean, it, life's way too short to try to get in the wrong place. That's what makes most people unhappy. And, you know, that idea of self-selection is pretty valuable for everyone involved. So last piece of advice, aspiring entrepreneurs or people that think they want to go someday and follow your journey, what would your advice be for them? I think back to what I said of not treading water, you know, and, and to try things and to accept challenges and, and, and see where it takes you and not be afraid to, to jump into something and you don't know where it's going to lead you, you know, to, to, to say yes to stuff, to pour your heart and soul into every, everything you do, you know, like no matter what it is. 
I, I want to say one, your insight has been great. I think that, uh, you know, you live it every day, but, uh, having had a chance to meet lots of different people, you bring just a really interesting perspective that I think will really guide you, know, not only the professionals that are listening to the show, but also those that, you know, are earlier in their careers trying to figure out what they want to do. So thank you so much for sharing that. It has been an incredible experience. Thanks again for being on the show. And hopefully one of these days we'll get a chance to connect you with you on a, on a visit to Milwaukee. I hope so. I'm ready. Thanks to Jim for joining me on today's episode and sharing some insight from his incredible career at Pixar. As he said, don't be afraid to jump into something where you don't know where it will take you. Say yes to stuff and then pour your heart and soul into it. And if you haven't seen a short film, Lava, you need to really check it out. We want to thank all of you who have embraced this show, and we hope that you'll tell your friends about it. We'd also really appreciate it if you would take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us on this journey, and let's go change the world. <laughs>